Welcome to Me Time, the podcast for women in midlife who've been taking care of everyone else and now say, it's my turn to take care of me. I'm Kim Aceto, health and self-care coach for women in midlife and your host. Thank you for spending your precious me time with me right now. Enjoy the show. Okay, so today I'm here with my friend Alicia Murphy, but before I tell you about Alicia, I just want to announce that I'm going to be taking a class in the fall um, that's going to go into kind of the winter a little bit. So I want to let listeners know that for the next couple of months, um, the podcast is going to go from weekly to bi-weekly. So um, just kind of keep that in mind in case you were listening weekly, because I know a lot of guests do, a lot of listeners do. Um, and you know, it's going to be a great time also for you to go back and to listen to some episodes you may have missed or some episodes you want to listen to again. Um, so there's some really great guests that I've had on the show. So take this time over the next couple of months, uh, to, to go back and listen to those. And then, um, I'll revisit at the beginning of the year, depending on how my class is going. And if I choose to continue with, um, some more classes, so we'll kind of see, I'll keep you posted on all of that. So a little housekeeping there and, um, thanks for listening to that. And now let's talk about Alicia Murphy. So let me tell you about Alicia. Alicia Murphy is a certified personal trainer and nutrition coach residing in Redondo Beach, California. She's the creator of the, of the Sketch Fit, a wellness program for Sketchers employees at their headquarters in Manhattan Beach, California. She also provides wellness experiences and classes for USC, the city of Manhattan Beach, and the city of El Segundo. Alicia has also developed Stress Monkey, a busy girl's guide to being ridiculously fit and bursting with energy. And when she's not coaching, you can find her walking at the beach, chillaxing with a glass of wine or hanging out with her husband and rad son and dog, right? Can't forget the dog, right? <laughs> that's right. That's a new addition. <laughs> oh, that's a new addition. Okay. I didn't yeah. really, really realize that. So yeah. Alicia, welcome to the Me Time Midlife podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I love following you on Instagram and, um, we kind of, we didn't live close to really close to each other because LA is so big, but, yeah. um, you know, we've gone to retreats together. We've followed the same mentor and coach and all that kind yes. of stuff. So it's always great to talk with you and to get to see you in person. Um, and now to have you on the podcast. So that's really, really fun for me. Um, and I can't wait to talk with you. So let's start with the first question I ask every first time guest, which is what do you enjoy doing during your me time? Well, okay. My first answer, and you're going to laugh because of where you used to live, you know, I'm a huge Disneyland fan. I do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, that's one of my absolute favorite things to do. Haven't been since the whole COVID thing started. So I'm missing it, but, um, I love spending the day at Disneyland with my son. It's always ironically very relaxing. Um, and then the other thing I love, love, love to do is I just like to drive to some random neighborhood, um, usually somewhere that's pretty nature oriented, um, park my car and then either go for a walk or, or go for a little jog. Um, I just think it's so fun to see things on foot and um, I love, you know, every day I need that 
walk either by the beach or you know in the woods or somewhere that's very like I say nature oriented that that really kind of fills me up so I make sure that I do that almost on the daily mm-hmm. that's so great and it's totally true it now that I think of it you're always outside when yeah. um when you post your Instagram pictures um, oh, so yeah. it's great you're always by the beach or you're somewhere else but that's interesting you like to go to different neighborhoods and take a walk or jog or something like that. That sounds really interesting. I never even thought about it. It really that. keeps it fun. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, and of course I don't get to do it every day because I'm lucky enough to live by the beach. So that's my go-to. But if you haven't ever tried that, I recommend it. You know, we live by Palos Verdes where there's these beautiful million, multi-million dollar homes. And um, it's just so beautiful there. So I love to just park my car and then I just walk around and look at the houses. And I don't know, it's just, it's kind of like a little break, you know? It's right. Fun. Right. Oh yeah. It's so good too, to change your scenery, especially during COVID when we've been kind of, yes. I mean, we're not locked down anymore, but we're you know, we're staying close to home and we're, um, you know, this is a great time to explore locally. Right. So, um, and if anybody is an expert in like finding ways to be active outdoors, like it's totally you, um, (laughs) you, you are just, yeah, you, you are so creative in finding ways to get fit outdoors and, um, you know, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. I, I really love it. And, you know, the great thing about being outdoors is, you know, it's good for your physical health. It's good for your mental health as well yes. you know, to be out in nature, to be out in the sun, um, you know, Absolutely. that kind of stuff while yes. working out, you know, while even just going for a walk, you know, there's so many benefits and that's a thing like we have to start in, I know we're going to talk about, we'll see what we get into, but, um, we have to start thinking about health, like more than just one thing, like more than just nutrition, more than just exercise, right. Absolutely. But like, like so many different things. So actually, before we get into, (laughs) before we get into talking about stuff, let's talk about your story. Why don't we start there and we'll see where we go from there. Okay. So, um, the big, you know, the big story I like to tell people, and uh, obviously Kim, you were, you and I were, you know, going to retreats and everything when all this happened. So you, I'm sure remember the, you know, when all this happened, but I was about 40 years old and I had, my son Rocco was like two at the time. And I, my husband and I were like, okay, we want to have a second kid. And if we're going to do this, I, you know, I'm telling him I'm 40, like (laughs) we're going to do this. Let's do it already. But it was crazy because right when I turned 40, all of a sudden I started just to feel off and I can't really explain it other than I just didn't feel like myself. Um, And so, you know, this is going on for a month or two. And I finally think, all right, you know, I don't want to get pregnant. And then there's something really wrong with me because the, I just kept feeling worse and worse. So I went to my OBGYN and I told her, you know, what was going on. And she's like, well, let's check, you know, see if we can find anything. Um, and it turned out that I have something, I had something called hyperplasia at the time. I had no idea what that was. Um, and basically it was, it's, it was in my uterus and it's, it's, basically pre-cancerous cells. It doesn't mean it's going to turn into cancer, but um, you def- some, something you definitely don't want. And she said, this is the weirdest thing because, you know, normally I don't see this in people, in women, um, unless you're over 50 or you struggle with obesity. And, um, you know, at the time I was very fit and very healthy. And so 
um, she was treating this hyperplasia and this is going on for months, Kim. And I'm just feeling worse and worse and worse. And every time I go back to her, I'm telling her like, I'm getting worse. This is not, this is not working. Um, so I'm not kidding you about six months go by. And in the meantime, I'm a rail. I was like losing weight, like crazy. Um, my vision was super blurred. I felt so tired. I would, I had these evening classes, you know, fitness classes that I was teaching and there were days I would be on the couch and I felt so physically drained. I would cry because I was like, I feel like I can't even get off the couch and I have to find the energy to go teach this class. So fast forward, um, I ended up taking my son Rocco to the doctor because he had been sick. This was in, you know, fall when kids start getting the, the ooey gooey colds and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, you know, it had been like, six to eight months I'd been going through this. And so I know his doctor, his pediatrician, and I walked in and she said, uh, whoa, what is wrong with you? I looked that bad. <laughs> so I told her, I said, I'm just really stressed out and, you know, we can't figure out what's going on. And I'm telling her the whole story. And she says, no, you need to come back tomorrow. I'm going to figure out what is going on. So I went to my son's pediatrician. The right. next day. I didn't know that part. Yeah. Is that crazy? And so mm -hmm. she ran all these tests. Um, and then the very next day I'm teaching a class and I, my, my phone, you know, I have my phone on silent, but I could see where it was sitting as I was teaching and I can see it's her calling and she keeps calling and that's not a good sign. And I was like, I can't answer in the middle of a class. So I called her right after my class and she said, um, this is crazy. And I, I know you're going to think that, you know, I'm nuts, but you have diabetes. And I was like, no, I don't. There's no way. And she's like, well, your blood sugar is 900. Yeah. And she said, you know, don't, don't panic. Like, just be calm, but you need to go to the emergency room, you know, go home, get some stuff. And so um, my best friend came with me. Um, and, you know, turns out I, that I had type one diabetes, which um, you know, you normally get as a kid, but for some, whatever reason, I got it at 40 years old. So I was in ICU for a few days, um, and just really, really lucky to be here. And I, of course, sent my son's pediatrician flowers for <laughs> basically saving me. So anyway, that, that, you know, really where that brought me at the time, Kim was, I had a fitness um, company on this, you know, it was called the edge fitness training. And I was all about, you know, fitness and, you know, no excuses was my tagline. Um, and then when I was in the hospital, you know, we were trying to figure out because nobody in my family has type one diabetes. And so the doctors were all like, this is weird. Where did this come from? And one of the doctors said to me, how has your stress been? And the last before this happened, I would say the year or two before were incredibly stressful times for me. And that made me take pause. And I started researching about stress. And that is why I changed my whole entire trajectory with my company and it became stress monkey. Um, so that's what led me to, you know, turning this whole thing around to really learning about how, not just how to manage stress, but how to, to use it. Cause you can use it to your advantage if you know the shifts to make basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that story and filling in some of the gaps that I had. I didn't know some of the, those things. Yeah. So, um, wow. Wow. Okay. So 
before we move on to stress stuff, because we want to talk about that, um, first for listeners who aren't quite sure, or maybe need a refresher on the difference between type one and type two diabetes, you, you mentioned that type one usually get as a child, um, type two as an adult, but can you give a little more information about that? Yes, absolutely. And thank you for asking. Um, I, I really am on a mission to, um, help with awareness of symptoms, um, for diabetes, both type one and type two. It's really, really important. So the, just a quick overview, the difference type one diabetes, you know, in the past, it's been called juvenile diabetes, whereas type two is in the past called adult onset diabetes. So obviously with type one, usually you're born with it or you get it as a kid. Um, and then with type two in, in the past, it usually was something that didn't, you know, hit until you were an adult. Um, and, and those, so that's changed a bit. Obviously, <laughs> I got type one at 40 and there's a lot of kids getting type two. So, um, you know, the, the kind of all bets are off when it comes to timing of, of that. Um, but basically type one diabetes is an autoimmune disease. And just to make sure everybody realizes, just in case, you know, let's just be clear what an autoimmune disease is, because I really wasn't sure till I got one. Um, it's basically when your immune system mistakenly attacks your body. So your immune system sees a specific area of the body as a foreign invader and it attacks. Um, so in the case of type one diabetes, it's an autoimmune disease because the immune system attacks and destroys the part of the pancreas responsible for making the hormone insulin. So type one diabetics just don't make insulin at all. Now you shift over to type two diabetes and it starts out as what we refer to as insulin resistance. So, you know, in the beginning stages of type two, you're making insulin, but the problem is your cells are rejecting the insulin. So that's kind of the big broad strokes difference. Um, you know, the symptoms are similar, but um, the, the treatments are very, very different. And, you know, pre-diabetes, um, which leads to type two, that that's reversible. So that's the good news. If anybody, you know, listening, if you've been diagnosed with prediabetes, I just want to give you hope and encouragement because you can reverse prediabetes. Um, and in some cases, type two, if you catch it early enough. Um, but type one, there is absolutely no, no cure yet, no reversing it. Um, once you have it, you have it. So that's, that's kind of the big broad strokes. And, you know, with, with prediabetes, um, you know, what's alarming is one in three Americans have prediabetes. Um, and of those people, more than 84% don't know they have it. Yeah. Um, so that's, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's scary, but, um, and I'm sure we'll get into it, you know, down the road here, but um, I have several friends who are very fit, very healthy, and they've been diagnosed with prediabetes. Um, and I know what we're going to talk about today is, is, in my opinion, one of the major reasons why people that are seemingly fit and healthy are starting to be pre, pre, are starting to be diagnosed with prediabetes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, right. And, and it, it's not just people who are overweight, like you were saying, you no, know, I mean, no. there are fit people, slender people, um, you know, so yeah, it's really interesting, right? Because I think 
when we think of the word diabetes, I think the first thing that comes to mind is like, you know, too much sugar, a person who eats too much sugar, a person who has a sedentary lifestyle. Like we have this idea in mind of what a diabetic or pre-diabetic or whatever person, you know, looks like, or what their lifestyle is like, but that's just not true. So, um, let's talk about what you referred to earlier, what you discovered about your life, um, was stress. So let's talk about stress and, um, and the stress cycle, which is something that you talk about also. Yes, I love. Okay. So I'm just going to explain really quick mm-hmm. the, the stress cycle mechanism. So what exactly is that and how does it work? Um, and once you understand the stress cycle, you start to realize like, oh, wow, now I can see how this affects, you know, my health and fat storage, um, my energy and my mood. So basically the way it works is um, your body perceives a threat. Um, and, and, and Kim, you and I have talked about this before. So I just want to make sure we're very clear. What, what could be a threat to your body? What is considered quote unquote stress to your body? You know, most people think of it as mental or emotional stress, but what we need to realize is there are many other kinds of stressors that the body perceives as a threat. So you know, things like um, illness, dehydration, um, a chronic injury where you have this constant pain going on. Sitting too long is, believe it or not, the body perceives as a problem. Um, You know, things like air pollution or a food intolerance. So there's many, many things that could be triggering a stress response in the body. So basically, but we're going to use the analogy of sitting in traffic, okay? So you're sitting in traffic and you get upset, you know, somebody cuts you off, whatever. And so your body is like, okay, there's a problem. So it is going to increase in the the hormone cortisol, which is called your stress hormone. It's, It's one of many stress hormones, but cortisol is what we're going to be focusing on. So your cortisol goes up. Now, because your cortisol went up, your body thinks, okay, Alicia's in trouble. She's either going to have to fight or she's going to have to run, which is where the term fight or flight comes from. And so your body in its sheer absolute beauty, because this is a really cool function of the body, it wants to give you an immediate source of energy. Because again, your body thinks you need energy to fight or to run. So your body is going to throw sugar into your bloodstream. So your blood sugar rises. So, so far we have the cortisol went up and then that triggered your blood sugar to go up. Because again, your body's like, oh, let me give Alicia energy to get out of this problem. But my body doesn't know that I'm sitting in a car, not doing anything, not moving. And so resting. Resting, right? <laughs> so now my body's like, uh-oh, okay, now we have all this sugar in the blood. Let's get rid of it. And so that's when the hormone insulin, which is often referred to as the fat storage hormone, insulin has to go in to the bloodstream, pull out the blood, and then go deliver it to cells to be stored. Um, and so you can see how this cycle goes. So what you know, what can happen? is if you have this constant hit of high cortisol, which is 
the case in so many people, um, you have this, this, you know, cortisol triggers the high blood sugar, triggers the insulin. So that's why we're seeing him, you know, we was talking earlier about the pre-diabetes thing. If this cycle is going over and over and over, eventually your body is like enough with the insulin. It starts to reject the insulin, which is insulin resistance, the first stages of prediabetes. So that is how you can see that these, you know, fit and healthy people, um, you know, maybe they're overtraining or, you know, maybe they have a stressful job. There's all kinds of reasons, but this stress response over and over. Um, and, you know, one of the keys to help is, is regulated blood sugar. So um, when your blood sugar is high continuously, your, your body really takes a hit. Um, and it's hard, you know, your body starts to store fat rather than burn fat. So really the key here is you want to learn how to manage your cortisol. And it's, it's I want to make sure we say that because um, we hear all the time how stress is bad. And my message is not that at all. My message is you just need to learn how to manage the cortisol because, you know, the end of the day, we need cortisol and cortisol actually is a fat burner if, if it's not too much too often, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. yeah, so that's the you stress did, cycle. You did a great job explaining that. Thank you for the example. I think that we can all relate to sitting in traffic, especially when I lived yeah. in LA, I don't sit I know, in traffic right. much anymore, but oh, <laughs> I I'm get <jealous>. that. <laughs> I get that though. Um, yeah. So thank you for, for sharing that. I mean, it's, it's really important to be aware that, um, that this is happening in our bodies and that yeah. we have to be aware of when we are feeling like this. And especially, I think we can get to the point where, our stress levels are so high constantly that we think it's normal and we yes. don't know otherwise, right? Like it's absolutely it feels comfortable. I hate to say that, but it it would feel just normal to be yes. stressed all the time, but it's not. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yes. That's it. I love that you said that because I say that all the time. I think people are so used to feeling stressed all the time, they don't know any different. It's just, it's just the way their life is. And they don't even realize what, you know, what they're doing to themselves. Right. Right. I also like how you talked about just sitting for prolonged periods of time. That's a stress to the body too. And again, it just yep. seems like counterintuitive because you're resting. How can resting be stressful? But when you think about being in front of a computer, if you work at a computer all day, um, five yeah. days plus a week and so many hours, like people are working so much right now. And they're, you know, a lot of working from home and they're just sitting in front of their computers. And even though your body is sitting and resting, quote unquote, you know, your yeah. mind, your emotions, your mental oh, energy, yeah. all of that is going because you're working and you're on your computer and there's, you know, so many tabs open and there's so many things going on and there's the news and there's this and that it's just, yeah. It, it's so true. And, and you know, Kim, I, I like to really think when I, when I first had this shift mentally about what my body needs, it kind of was like an aha moment for me. Because if you think about the history of, of humans in general, um, you know, think about hundreds of years ago, what were we doing? We were walking a lot, like all day, <laughs> and we would have to run short little bursts, maybe from, you know, to get catch lunch or 
running from a neighboring tribe or whatever, and we would lift heavy things once in a while. So if you think about that, it's like, okay, it makes sense. Our bodies need to walk and they need to move. And um, I'm sure that you know uh, Jim Quick. Um, mm-hmm. Quick he always learning. says, yes. And he always <laughs> says, move to groove, move to groove, mm-hmm. meaning you, mm-hmm. your body needs to move in order to groove new neural pathways in the brain. Mm-hmm. So it's all connected. And, and like you mentioned earlier, you know, everything feeds everything. Um, it, it, so I think that just real, like, that's why I'm such a proponent of walking because almost anybody mm-hmm. can do it. Agreed. Walking, by the way, on a side note, um, actually lowers your cortisol. If, mm-hmm. if you're doing slow to moderate paced walking, mm-hmm. um, I just think it, you know, if you start to think of that, um, like where we right. come from, it just all makes so much more sense. Right. And, and losing weight too. We, you know, I think we've been fed these messages over the past couple of decades that you have to do more to lose weight, right? Like you have to, well, you have to eat less, you have to move move more, more. you know, like everything is about like more, 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 but like, we also need to slow down and we need to stop and we need to pause and we need to be aware of, you know, our, our emotions, our cortisol levels, we can feel it, right? Like we can feel when, when cortisol is like getting dumped into our stomachs, you know, like that, that feeling of like, oh my gosh, I just got really stressed right now thinking about something or whatever, you know? And then you compound that with like little sleep, like unhealthy eating, you know, just all of those things. So we have to remember like weight loss can be walking, getting out of the house, getting into nature, you know, like socializing with friends, like things that are going to make us feel good, feel better, you know, lower our stress. Those, those are all ways to lose weight. 100%. (laughs) And it's so undervalued. And, um, you know, I was just, I was talking to a client last week and this is a perfect example. And, um, he has a very, very high stress job and it kind of slowed down during COVID. And so he took that time to, um, you know, he, he was having some health issues. So he took some time to lose some weight and start exercising and things are gearing up the last few months with his work. So we were talking the other day and he said, you know, my, everything has just stopped. Like I can't get results anymore. And he, at the same time, he's telling me how stressed out he is at his job. And I said, listen, you can have the perfect nutrition program, you can have the perfect fitness regimen, but if you're stressed out, none of that matters. So I told him like, we need to take a step back and your priority right now needs to be stress management. And I feel like people hear this and they, they know it, but they don't practice it. And it's really, really critical. If, if your goal is to improve your health, or like you said, to lose weight, to be able to shift your body out of fat storage and into fat burning, number one priority has got to be stress management. It's got to be. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to take into account like multiple things and, and that is one of them. And one of my philosophies is, you know, if you lower your stress, then it's going to be easier for you to make healthy food choices, right? Because when we're stressed, that's when we grab the unhealthy food, the fats, the sugars, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, also we sleep better when we're not so stressed, right. And that helps, um, you lose weight 
right? And that, and good night's sleep helps you make healthy food choices. It also helps you like to be motivated to want to move, right? So when we're highly stressed, we're not sleeping well, we're not eating well, we're not moving. And then all of those things just like compound over time. And then you get to, you know, where a lot of my clients end up right Um, in your midlife years where you're like, whoa, what happened? Like, you know, why am I keeping on weight? Why, why is it so hard to lose weight? And it's not necessarily because of midlife and menopause and your metabolized uh, metabolism lowering and all that kind of stuff, which interestingly, um, some new uh, research has found that you actually don't, your metabolism doesn't um, slow down that that much. Did you? Yeah. Right. Right. And I almost didn't believe it. You know, I'm, I'm almost like skeptical, but you know, yeah, it was a huge study. So anyway, oh my gosh, I could talk to you forever, but we only have a couple of minutes left, Alicia. So, um, is there anything else you want to share about maybe, um, women in midlife and specific when it comes to stress? Yeah. Brought this up. So, you know, what you were saying, it's not, you know, like we just read, it's not necessarily that your metabolism is slowing down because you hit some certain age. Um, here's one thing that is a big takeaway is that women, we are more strength, stress sensitive, meaning to cortisol. Um, and we're less stress adaptive, especially as we age. So as we age, we become more and more sensitive to cortisol. So that's why, you know, it, this, this advice that you mentioned, Kim, eat less, exercise more. You're stressing your body out from two different angles. Your body thinks, uh-oh, we're not getting enough food. And then your body also thinks, uh-oh, we're constantly having to physically exert ourselves. So what happens? Your body is going to downrate, downregulate your metabolism to compensate for that. So it's going to burn less calories. It's going to increase your hunger hormones, try to get you to eat more. It's going to make you have less energy. So for women, especially, you know, there's no magic number, but let's just say women over 40, your body starts to become more and more sensitive to cortisol. So here's what you do. Um, saying, if I was to tell you like, Kim, Hey, just don't be stressed out anymore. Ha ha. Like that's delusional, you know? Mm -hmm, So here's what you do. And I call this Zen monkey breaks, take intentional breaks from stress. And it doesn't have to be long. It could be literally set a timer on your phone for one minute close your eyes. If you make your exhales longer than your inhales, that's a quick little tip. It helps your body to shift out of fight or flight. So don't worry about a certain count, just take a natural inhale and then try to make your exhale longer than your inhale. Um, you know, do that four or five times and then get on with your day. But unfortunately, relaxation recovery is not built into our current lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So all I recommend is find things, you know, laugh, go be in nature, get a massage, all the fun things, all the fun (laughs) things, just take Zen monkey breaks and my homework Mm. for everybody listening three times a week. What can you do for a Zen monkey break? Mm, I love it. And monkey, by the way, is M O N K E E. Is there a reason why it's E E? Yes. I'm so glad you asked me. Um, (laughs) the monkeys, do you remember them? I mean, they were around the 60s, but we saw the reruns, right? But yeah. Yes. I said, I, we, I used to watch the reruns in the 70s okay. of the, of the mm-hmm. monkeys. I was a huge fan and they spelled it with two E's. So that is my awesome. homage. Now I know. To the monkeys. I love it. I love it. I love it. I know listeners will love it as well. Um, Alicia, I so enjoyed talking with you. Like I said, we could talk 
so much longer about all of this stuff. And you can tell, I think listeners can tell that we're excited about this because yes. like, just tell our energy is totally up. Um, so uh, listeners, I'm going to put some links to uh, stay connected with Alicia. I'm going to put her Instagram link, which I highly recommend you follow Alicia's stress monkey um, Instagram. It's the way to Alicia's heart, her Instagram. She's also got a Facebook uh, page and then she has a weekly be well email that you can subscribe to and, uh, and start receiving those. So Alicia, again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really yes. love talking about oh, this and thank blast. you for sharing your story and for giving such great tips and things to think about today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. If you find the me time midlife podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. The best way is to simply tell your midlife friends about it. It also helps the show's visibility if you rate and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or simply directly in your Apple Podcasts app if you listen to the show that way. And if you want more me time in your life and continue the conversations we have on the show with other women on a similar journey, consider joining our Me Time Midlife Community on Facebook. Simply search for Me Time Midlife Community in your Facebook search bar or go to metimemidlifepodcast.com to learn more. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, remember, you've been taking care of everyone else. It's your turn to take care of you.